Well, good morning. I've been looking forward to uh, beginning this series uh, a number of weeks ago as we were um, kind of getting to the, to the end of, of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we got to 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, went through that part of that, that chapter which talks all about love, that, that we talked about that, and you, know, you hear that chapter at weddings, and, and uh, love is all of these things, and love is not all of these other things. And we talked about it in the context where Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, kind of defines love in three, in three attributes, in three ways, and then he talks about all of these hurdles that there are to love. And so what we talked about then was that love is the mark of one who is maturing in Christ and that when we love, we most accurately reflect the character of God. That's, that's, what, that's what we understood as, as Paul talked through that that, 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 that the growth of this love that God, that really originates with God, is expressed in our lives, that demonstrates that we are maturing in Christ. And then when we do this, we most accurately reflect God. And that love is where, as Paul says, if we're going to understand, love is where patience, kindness, and honesty all overlap. That love really is, is understood in the combination of some of these other attributes. And, and, and when those are present and when those are overlapping, then, then that's, that's where we have this love that God, God defines. And, and so we need to understand that what, what is love and what it isn't. The world has done, I think, a, a great disservice in con confusing what love actually is. And I think the word love is even kind of a hard, it's not a helpful term for us. Because let's be honest, if, if you can love cereal and love God, it seems like there's a gap there, doesn't there? I mean, it, it just seems like there's something wrong. Like in everything in between those two, and so, like, it's hard. Would you really use the same word to describe those things? And obviously, you're using the word differently, aren't you? And, and you know, I mean, when, when we were kids, you know, when somebody says something, like, that they love that's ridiculous, like, oh, I love that. And then, then somebody says, well, why don't you marry it? You know, that kind of thing. You know, you, you, they, you, love, the word love isn't helpful. <laughs> it's not a great term because there's so many things that it's been used for. And so, and so even in this idea of, of relationally, one another, using the word love is, is so mixed up and, and, and confusing. And, and so we need to understand, I want to define a few things and help us to begin to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about love. And, I'm, and, and eventually I want to use love purely in the sense that, that the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 defines it as. And really that's what the, the Bible defines it as. Um, what we understand to be love. And so, first of all, we need to kind of make some distinctions. And the first one is this, that, that um, a, a term that, that often is confused with love is affection. Um, and affection is what is called the, the superhighway between our head and our heart. Um, affection is those tender feelings that people will often call, call love. You know, you can have affection for all sorts of things. And legitimately, like I, I have affection for our dog Baxter. 
I have affection for him. Uh, he's a great dog, and our whole family has affection for our dog. And, and I have affection for, for people and different things like that. Um, and, and, and really, um, affection is that feeling of liking or caring for someone or something. There's an attachment or a fondness. But just because I have affection for someone or something, and there's just a whole large, a vast group of things that I can have affection for, doesn't mean necessarily that my affection will drive me to self-sacrifice, right? Because we can have affection for something, but it might not actually determine our course of action when maybe there's a risk or the chips are down. And, and so affection, we need to understand that affection is different than love, Another thing that, that, I, that we want to make sure we understand is, is attraction. Um, attraction is defined as the chemistry or spark that moves one person towards another. Um, and so, again, attraction is different than love because, again, attraction is something that is very much up and down ebbs and flows. Uh, if you... If you, if you kind of look at the science of attraction because they've done all of these different things. And, and really, they say that what, what attraction comes down to is kind of three different things. First of all, attraction is physical or looks. Um, and, and they talk about how in attraction, that physical piece of it, the looks part, is really intense at the beginning, but over time, it tends to fade. And, and, and we just know that, that that's, that's kind of the nature of life and, and humanity. And, and a, a second part of attraction is the psychological part or the connecting part of attraction. So there's, there's the looks, there's the physical draw, but then there's also the, the connection part, which is maybe you are attracted to someone's personality, the way they communicate, the, 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 that trust that builds there. And so it's that kind of, it, that psychological part of attraction that while you see something of, of uh, someone that, that you find uh, beautiful or, or they, they, they kind of spark that chemical reaction inside and, and you, you look at them and you see them, but then there's a psychological piece. But then the third part that, this, that they define as attraction is behavioral. I was like, well, what does that mean? Well, that's your moves in attraction. Yeah, that's, that's the moves, you know, like the, the moves you make. And, and, and they talk about that's the body language, the touch. And, and, and I just thought that that was kind of entertaining and kind of interesting that, that it's defined as, as the moves you make when you're attracted to someone. And some of those moves are awkward. Some of those moves are smooth. But, you know, you never know. Um, but, but again, that's, that's kind of what attraction is. And again... Attraction is a very real thing. We are attracted to certain people and not attracted to other people. But again, attraction is not love. Um, some of the warnings, I think, of attraction that we have to be aware of is that attraction is based on instinct. Um, we, we just, that's, that's kind of that's our wiring, good or bad. And, and because of sin in our lives, because of sin, the sin nature our attraction has been very deeply impacted by that. And, and, and so we need to be careful because attraction is based on instinct and, and attraction doesn't necessarily lead to good or healthy relationships. How many people have ever been, maybe in, in your history or your past, been attracted to someone 
and they were not good for you at all. And, and so we have to be careful. We have to be really careful about that because attraction doesn't necessarily just mean you're entering into something healthy or, or, or beneficial. Um, and then, and then a, third, a third thing that I want to make sure we understand uh, the difference between love is, is something that, that's affinity. And affinity is, is defined as sympathy or likeness based on a community of interest. In other words, that I have affinity towards people who have common interests or, or th- common experiences or uh, they, we, we tend to like the same things and that there's, there's natural affinity there. And oftentimes that's how communities of people start. Because they have common interests and, and they have common pursuits and things like that. And, and, and the people who I have affinity with, I'm not necess- I don't necessarily have to be attracted to. But I can have affinity with them because we have some similar things and we can go do those things together or, or experience life that way. Now, now here's the thing with, with this, these ideas and, and the, these ideas of affection and attraction and affinity, none of these things are love in and of themselves, but they can sometimes accompany love, but again, they are not in their nature love. And that's what I want us to understand as a, as a baseline and a, as a foundation, that, that while those things are... are are present and real, they are not by their very nature love. Love is something different. Um, and, and here's the thing. When, when if you love your spouse, attraction should come along with that. Affection should come along with that. And I would hope you have shared interests <laughs> with your spouse. Or else then it gets really difficult. And, and, and but, 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 but you love your spouse, and so those things obviously come together. And, and, and so there's, there's these things that we need to understand, the difference between those things and, and what love is. And so, see, God commands us in his word to love one another. That is probably the most clear and basic command in the entire Bible. When Jesus was asked by, by his disciples, what's the greatest command Jesus says what? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, love one another is the most basic thing in Scripture. When we think about how muddled the term love has gotten, do you think that God, when he says, when he commands us to love one another, do you think that he is commanding us to be attracted to one another? I don't think so. That would be ridiculous. In fact, that would make a, quite a mess in the kingdom of God, I think, <laughs> if God was commanded us all to be attracted to one another. Is God commanding us to have affinity for one another, that we should all share interests, that we should all have the same interests? And again, that seems unreasonable. God is a personal God, and he's created us in such significant and personal and, and in intentional ways that we all do have different things that are about us and God created us all differently. Is, is, is God saying and love one another that we would have affection for one another? I think that there's, there's a degree of affection that God would expect us to have for one another who follow Jesus. But when God says the command love one another, that can't mean he demands us to, to have attraction, affection, and affinity 
for everyone who crosses our path. So love must be something far more than those things. So, so I think it's important to have, be, be there to understand what John is talking about in 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, going from verse 7 to verse 12. And we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 this morning. And let me just read, let me read the whole passage, and then we're going to just look at verses 7 and 8 this morning. Um, John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So John begins, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is a command. God says, John says, let us love one another. Jesus says the greatest, the second greatest command next to loving God is loving one another. And we see this over and over. There's so many things, there's so many times that you cross in scripture that God calls us to love one another. And, and here's what's interesting about love one another it is, is that we don't love because one is lovable. We love because one is classified as another. Notice that John didn't say, beloved, let us love those who have some kind of likability factor. <laughs> beloved, love those who are lovable. No, what he says is, beloved, let us love one another. So if you fit the classification of another, then God calls me to love you. So here's, let me just, let me just, for my own sake, to find out what task is at hand for me. Everyone who in here is classified as another, please raise your hand. I was hoping less hands would go up. <laughs> so, so there's a reality that, that scripture, God expects us then, if someone is classified as another, then those are the ones we are called to love. It's kind of like this. Here is another person. Another one who's like me with all the longings, the heartaches, the searching, the problems, the aspirations, the hopes and dreams, the frustrations of life, just like me. So that anyone who fits in that category, God calls me to love them. And, and, and so it's very clear. It's a very clear statement. Love one another. If they're another it doesn't matter what their philosophy of life is. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter. Um, it, none of those things matter. God says love if they are another. So, so that's, that's very clear. And, and so what we see as, as John speaks, he, he writes, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is 
from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So not only does God command us to love, but love is entirely defined by God himself. He says, for love is, where is love born? Where does love come from? He says, for love is from God. Love, its origin is in God himself. So we need to understand that when we're talking about love, we're talking about something that God that came from God, that originated from God, God defines, and that, that we can really only understand if we understand God. It is, it is therefore not a human achievement. Love is not a human achievement. It is of divine origin, and it is a gift from God to us. And so I think because love is a command, it's also a choice. Uh, because, because you see, when God says love one another, that's a command. We have a choice to make to either love one another or not love one another. Anytime you're given a directive, you've got two options, don't you? You can either follow it or not follow it. Anytime you're given a, a, a command, you, choose, you can choose to follow it or not follow it. When we read what God expects from us, we can decide to either do what God expects from us or we cannot do what God expects for us. And so because love is a command, we need to understand by its very nature, love is a choice that we make. You see, it, it, it would, love is not necessary in, in what we're talking about. And again, we need to understand love as God defines it. it is, it's not just an emotion or a biological function. Have you ever tried to command emotion or biology? <laughs> that doesn't go well. Like, how often is it effective when you have rising emotions and you're getting upset and you're getting angry and someone says, calm down? That's so effective, isn't it? <laughs> like, I, it's like calm down is, is actually saying, I would like you to get more angry by saying calm down to you. <laughs> and, and so trying to, or telling someone, don't cry. How helpful is that? Commanding someone not to cry. <laughs> um, and I, it took me a while to learn that as a parent. But, but again, it's, you can't command emotion and you don't command biology, but you, you, you do, you can say, I want you to do this, and then you have a choice. And, and, and so, and so as, as we see this, what, what we need to understand is love is a choice that we make. When God says love one another, our response to God's command is we have to make a choice. And so, and so he goes on. He, he, says, he says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. That's where it's originated. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever, under, whoever recognizes this love, whoever can love like this, they recognize God and they know God. Because the only way to understand this love is by knowing God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, love is our connection to God the Father. Those who love are connected to God and those who do not love are not connected to God. That's what John is saying. But again... He's not saying those who 
have affection for someone for a while, those people are connected to God. Or if you are attracted to someone, then that means you're connected to God. Know that if you have feelings for someone, it's not talking about those things. It's talking about something entirely different. Because we need to remember that love is not affection, attraction, or just affinity. And so John says in, chapter, in verse 8, he says, God is love. John Stott, pastor uh, in England, um, made this comment of, of, this, of this statement, this idea that God is love. He says, this is the most comprehensive and sublime of all the biblical affirmations of God's being. In other words, if you want to be, if, if, if you were to make one affirmation of who God is, probably the most, the most in-depth, the most comprehensive is that God is love. At the root of all that God does, at the very foundation of everything that God has ever done is love. That is the very foundation of everything that he's ever done. The fountain from which all God's action stems is love. Even his condemnation and his judgment comes from love. We need to understand that everything God has ever done and God ever will do comes from love. Because God is love. And he can't not be love. And so even when he stands in judgment over a sinner, he is still directed and motivated by love. Even when God was condemning nations, his motivation and the fountain from where that condemnation flowed was from love. Because God is love. He always has been and he always will be. If, if a loving God cannot judge an evil act or an evil being, then he really can't love either, can he? <laughs> we need to understand that even in that judgment, again, that can be motivated and grounded and rooted in love. And, and this, this statement that God is love is so much deeper. It goes so much further than just maybe the idea that God is loving. God is loving, but it goes so much further than that because God is in his nature love. God loves not because we are worthy or have done something to earn or deserve love, but he loves because it is his nature. You see, God doesn't love you and I because we're lovable or somehow we've done something grab his attention. It's not like God looked down and, and saw you or I and said, hmm, man, that, that person is good looking. <laughs> I, I think I could hang out with them. <laughs> there's, there's nothing lovable about us. But it is God's nature to love us because it's who he is. He can't not love. It's like that old, it's like that old story of the uh, scorpion and the turtle. Scorpion is on one side of the riverbank and sees the turtle out in the river and 
and calls over, apparently scorpions talk to turtles, and calls over to the turtle and says, um, I need to cross the river. Can you come over and, and, and I'll jump on your shell and uh, you can give me a ride across the river. And the turtle says, there's no way I'm coming over there to, to give you a ride because you'll, you'll kill me, you'll sting me, you're a scorpion. And the scorpion says, no, 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 no. He says, I need to cross the river. Why, why would I sting you? Because if I sting you, you'll die, you'll drown, and I'll drown. We'll both die. Why would I do that? I don't want to die. And so the turtle thinks about it for a little bit and says, okay, fine. So he swims over, and, and the scorpion jumps on his shell. And as they cross the, the river, the scorpion stings him, and they, they both begin to drown. And, and the turtle says, why would you do that? And the scorpion says, it's, it's my nature. It's what I do. And, and, and you see, here's the thing. When something is our nature, it's what we do. And even when we're faced with something that is risky or, or is even self-sacrificing or anything, we will still do it because it's our nature. God loves no matter what. And we see that in what he did for salvation. That God loves, and that is his nature, which means he would give up his son that he would sacrifice his one and only son so that we could be forgiven of our sins because it's God's nature. Love, as God defines and Jesus models, is a first cause. Um, there's this idea that, that um, how, how, did the, how did the universe begin? And, and you keep going back further and further and further, and in philosophy there's this idea that you get back to a first cause, that there's got to be something that started the whole thing, right? There's got to be something. And so this idea of first cause in, in, in cosmology is this idea that there has to be somebody who started this process. Somebody who did the first act. And see, love is a first cause when you look at it with how God defines it biblically. Because you see, love starts with God. God loved us. We didn't do anything to deserve it or cause him Love, God loves us because it's his nature and it's a first cause. Love is something that happens not because of something that's been done to you. And we're going to see that as, as we go through these weeks more, more clearly because so often we see love as a response to something that happens. But that's not what love is. Love is something that happens not as a response, but it is a first cause. Um, when, when, you, when you see in verse, in verse, actually in verse 19 of, of 1 John chapter 4, just a, a few verses later, um, John says, we love because what? He first loved us. That first cause love that God gives us. Um, and, and, and so, and so what, what we need to understand is, is is that, that God defines this, and so if God defines it, if it, or if it began with God, and if God is love, then we need to make sure we understand love in the right terms. And so that's what kind of brings us back to 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul explains love. He says, love is greater than all the gifts. He says, you can do all these things, you can do all these impressive things, and if you don't have love then it's meaningless, it's worthless. And then he helps us understand what love is, which is very different than what we throw the word love around with in our culture today. And so, and so I think to kind of help us understand this, 
going back to 1 Corinthians 13 and, and, and taking what Paul explains and defining love, love is, a, is, is where patience, kindness, and honesty intersect. And, and we're, we've got, I think, a great visual to help us understand um, what, what biblical love is, what God defines as love. And, and so this is kind of that Venn diagram. And so love is where honesty, kindness, and patience all intersect. That's, that's, what, that's, that's really how we can define God's love. Patience, kindness, and honesty equal love. Love is where those biblical virtues, and again, we're, we're defining patience, love, and kindness, or patience, kindness, and honesty in their biblical definitions, those as biblical virtues, where they overlap, that's what love is. God not only defines love, but he also demonstrates it. And so, you see, thinking about what God, how God loved us, God loves us. How does God love us? He has incredible patience with us. No one suffers longer than God for you or I. God has unbelievable patience with us. But you know what? He also has incredible kindness. See, we can sometimes be patient, but we're not kind in our patience, are we? Like, you've experienced that. You've probably given that. We can, but God not only is patient with us, but he's kind to us. Unbelievably, like, so kind, we so don't deserve it. But not only is he patient and kind, but he's also honest. That he was willing to say, you are dead in your sins. He didn't sugarcoat it or he didn't color it a different, a different color. He didn't say, no, no, you're fine how you are. But God is patient, he's kind, and he's honest. And you see, that's what love is. Now you see, a combination of these things, we see what happens. So if, if, you, have, if you are patient and honest with someone, but not kind, that means you're kind of tolerating them, doesn't it? I mean, you're honest and patient. You're going you're gonna to stick with them. I'm going to stick with you. And you are making me miserable. And all of these things you're doing, you, are, you, you, you keep messing up. And, and that's patience and honesty without kindness. And really, that's tolerating. Now, if you're, if you're patient and kind with someone, but not honest you enable them to just continue to be stuck in the garbage that they're stuck in for the rest of their lives. See, being patient and kind and not being honest is not helpful. That just enables people. And, and, and you see, if you're honest and kind, well, we can be honest and kind for a while, but if we're not patient, that's just temporary. <laughs> we'll be done by the end of the week. If we're, if we're not there. So you see, where patience, kindness, and honesty intersect, that's the love that John is talking about when he says, beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. He's designed it, it's originated with him, and he's the one who models it. And it is patient, it is kind, and it is honest. Love is that choice we make to be patient, kind, and honest to all another's that we come in contact with. That's what God's command is. To be patient, kind, and honest with every another that you run into. 
that's really difficult. <laughs> that's really difficult. I would much rather God had said, um, I want you to have affinity with the another's that you run into. Because I could find something in common with anybody, but I don't want to have patience, kindness, and honesty with everybody. Because <laughs> that's difficult. That takes a lot of work. You see, the way our, our culture and our world around us and sin has really confused this idea of love is that, is that like a statement in our culture is everyone deserves to be loved and to love whomever they want. And, and, and the, the way, that, the way that, that culture is using that, they're not actually talking about love because culture doesn't want Honesty to be spoken into everyone's life. That's not what our culture wants. Our culture doesn't even want kindness on every level. Because our culture does decide that there's some people who believe certain things who have no value. And you don't have to be kind to them. Just look around a little bit. And the world isn't terribly interested in patience, is it? <laughs> We want what we want now, and if it doesn't change now, we're going to make a big stink about it. <laughs> and so here's the thing, to the statement that everyone deserves to be loved and love whomever they want. No, we, we actually don't deserve love because we're not lovable. It's because it's God's nature, and he loves us, and then he commands us to love others, not because they deserve love or, or they are lovable, but because God says, I am love, and I want you to reflect me. And, and, and so, so as believers, we don't deserve love, or as people, we don't deserve love. And as believers, we don't get to choose who we love. As believers, we love everyone who is classified as another. So I don't have a choice of who I get to love. God actually calls me to be patient, kind, and honest with every single person. I don't have a choice in that. I mean, I can choose not to. But I don't get to choose who I love and who I don't. You see, in the world, you can have affection, attraction, and affinity for anyone and no one. But in the kingdom of God, those who are surrendered to Jesus, you love everyone. Every single person. The burden of love is not on the object being loved. For me to love you, that's not your burden. I can't use the excuse to say, well, this person, I don't like this person. <laughs> this person does nothing for me. Me loving you is not on you. God says to me, love that person because I loved you in the same way. You see, our, our culture has devalued human beings to the point of saying you are defined by your emotion and your biology. That's what they've brought us down to. You are defined by your emotion and your biology. Our society has devalued people down to their attraction, their affection, and their affinity, and done so calling it love, which it's not. Our culture has said, no, 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 no. 
You are your attraction. You are what you have affection for right now. You are what you have in common with others. And it calls it all love. And it's not at all. That's not what we're boiled down to. We can't give in to that and believe that. Because you see, if you are another, then God commands us to love with patience, kindness, and honesty. Here's the thing. We, all of us, are imagers of God, and that is what makes us distinctive from all other organisms in creation. We are the ones who are capable of love and commanded to love. And, and, and here, I, I think this is maybe more helpful. We, we talk about the image of God, and, and that's a really important thing to understand, to understand who we are. But, but it's easy to say, well, yes, I bear the image of God. And that's something I, I carry. That's something that God has, has placed within me. But it, it, talking about the image of God that way seems very passive. If we were to maybe say, I am an imager of God, that makes it a little bit more active, doesn't it? Image of God is something that I just carry. Imaging God means that it's something I'm actively doing. And you see, we are, we not only bear the image of God, but we are imagers of God. That's why in the Old Testament, God gives the command, don't make any graven images of me. Why? Because God already made images of himself in us. That's why making images of God is so wrong, because God already made the images of himself. We are God's imagers to the world around us. And so as imagers of God, the thing that makes us distinctive is that we are capable of love and commanded to love in this way. And, and, so, and so as we, as we kind of set this stage and we, we begin to understand, my, my prayer and, and hope for you is, as I've been working toward this and as we continue to unpack this passage that John writes my prayer for you is that, that we better understand, one, the way God loves us. Because what we need to understand is that God loves you with the most patience and kindness and honesty that anyone has ever been loved. And, and so to say, well, God couldn't love me because. God couldn't love me because. God couldn't love me because. See, God's love is not dependent on you. That's his nature. And he is patient. You can say, well, I, 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 th I, don't, think, I don't think God could stand me for that. Well, he's patient, so he can stand you for as long as you're there. <laughs> but, but I haven't done anything to, 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 make, to make him love me. Well, that's okay, because God is, he gives you unbelievable kindness. And he's completely honest with you which is probably one of the hard parts because <laughs> he's honest with us. But even in the midst of that, he's kind and he's patient. You see, I, I think that there's, for us, there's struggles with, with these things. Like maybe we want the kindness and, and, and the, the patience and love, but we don't want the honesty. <laughs> and I think that's, that's very evident in our world. Our, our world doesn't want the honesty. It's, it's, it's the idea of love and let live, Right? 
And that's not love at all. That's no, there's no honesty there. There's no truth in that. And, and so we, we need to be careful. And so my prayer and my hope for us as a church is that we begin to really understand God's love, that we experience God's love, and then because of that, we can be that first cause love in the lives of the another's that we interact with around us. And so as you gather together this week in your, in your resurrection communities, in your gospel communities, here's some questions that I would ask that you, you talk through and that you, you, you kind of work through a little bit. And the first one is this. Do you see that there is a foundational difference between affection, attraction, affinity, and love? I think that would be an important thing to actually verbally flesh out, not just listening to me talk about it, but us in our communities talk through and, and understand how affection, attraction, and affinity can accompany love, but are not the definition of love. Talk that out and explain why you feel that. And if maybe you disagree with it, if you say, no, 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 my attraction is love, and that's the bottom line. Talk that out. Because I think that's going down a pretty dangerous road. Second question. Remembering the love doodle, that diagram that, that we put up there. What area do you see as your go-to and how can you grow in your ability to truly love one another? Because for a lot of us, we tend to define truth as loving someone. I tell them the truth about themselves. And there's very little kindness and there's very little patience accompanied with it. You see, if, if we had our ways, we would probably define love as one of those things. Some of us don't want don't to like, get into arguments or, or get into anything heated or have any tension. And so we just want to be, be patient. And you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient for the rest of my life and I'll never say anything. And we think, because I love them. So I won't say anything. That's not love either, is it? <laughs> and and, and so, so looking at that, what do you see as your go-to? How do you tend to practically define love? And how can you grow in your ability? Maybe you need to be more patient. Maybe you need to be more kind. Maybe you need to work on your honesty in conjunction with those things. Then the third question I would ask you to consider is this. Are you willing to love in a first cause way? And a first cause way of loving is that this person or people didn't give you any reason to love them. Just like we didn't give God any reason to love us. Scripture says that, that while we were enemies of God, he loved us and he sent his son to die for us anyway. See, I would... I would caution you before you, because, because the really easy church answer to that, are you willing to love in a first cause way? Yes, I am. I'm willing to love in a first cause way. However, before you answer yes, look at what it'll cost. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't love in a first cause way. But I am saying that many of us blindly answer yes without looking at what it'll cost us. Because loving the way God loves us is costly. You know how I know that? Because he gave a son. That's what it cost him. 
So this week, I would challenge you to, to, to wrestle with those things and, and, and have that conversation. I believe what God wants to do in us is, is change the way we think about him and about one another by helping us to understand what this self-giving love that is defined by patience, kindness, and honesty. I think he wants to revolutionize our lives and our community through that. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you today, and I, and I thank you, God, that you love us without any reason to love us. God, I thank you that, that, that you not only define this and you've not only created this love, but, but God, that you model it, you show it to us. And, and, and this love that is so difficult, you actually, you actually give us the ability to love like that if we are willing to surrender ourselves to you. So Father, I pray that you will change the way we think, the way we, the way we feel, the way we define things, and Father, that we will truly become a people who love one another. That the only reason we need to love someone else is because they are classified as another. God, I pray that you would help us to wrestle, wrestle hard with this. And Father, that we will allow you to work in us and change us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.